Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, at least you know what? I'm going to talk to Dr. Carl. He's at least somebody who's got sense. And uh, he is our science communicator. A very, very good morning and all the best for 2024. How are you? Very well, thank you, Dr. Howard, and welcome to 2024. Thank you very much. Well, you're a little ahead of us in Australia. How's it been for you so far? Anything we need to be aware of? Um, we've been having a weird combination of weather, such that in one particular area, you can have simultaneously an extreme hot weather event and a torrential thunderstorm, and both can happen within three hours. And I experienced this when I was up at the biggest music festival in Australia, the Woodford Music Festival, um, and we actually had that torrential hot uh, torrential rain and extremely hot weather. It was great. It was weird. <laughs> Amazing. Let's talk about air safety because, you know, when doors go flying off, off, off airplanes, I get a little bit nervous. What is going on with these 737s? Well, uh, to understand what's going on with the 737s, you've got a choice of either micro, uh, macro or mega. In this case, you need to look at it at the mega level. And in the 1990s, Boeing had, for the best part of a century, been an association of engineers. Right. And then it got run, got turned over to Wall Street people who started running it purely as a financial business, not from an engineering point of view. And all sorts of bad things started to happen, such as two airplanes fell out of the sky, killing everybody because they kind of didn't quite tell the full story about the software upgrades which took control of the pilots without telling, took control of the plane without telling them. And um, they've also found it uh, cheaper to send everything out. Now, here's another big principle. Like a spacecraft, mm -hmm. an aeroplane is made up of hundreds of thousands of parts, each supplied by the person who offered the lowest price to make them, and put together by the people who offered the lowest price to assemble them. And in this case, they've let safety take a back seat. And with regard to the doors falling off, it turned out that the problem was that the 737, one of the most popular planes ever built, been flying for half a century, it used to come in different configurations. So you either had it for this many passengers or that many passengers, and depending on what you chose, um, you would then get so many exits and each emergency exit is a heavy thing. It's not just the door. There's also the slide, the inflatable slide and a whole lot of other mechanism. And so instead of going down a pathway of saying, well, we'll make slightly different airplanes uh, for the customer, they made just one model of airplane, the 737 MAX 9, and then said, if you want to have fewer passengers, we'll block off some of the doors They'll still be there on the outside, but there'll be nothing on the inside. And we'll hold it in with four bolts and blow me down. Sometimes they, it appears they didn't put the bolts in or even tighten them up. And that's why we have a door flying off at 16,000 feet. So is, the, is this a, a general problem? What you're saying is it's not really about the 737. It's about a strategy employed by the organization itself. Correct. The organization is trying to cut corners everywhere and rather than make specific models for specific airlines with a certain number of exit doors, they just say, this is a standard model. You don't want it, all the exit doors, we'll block them off. And by the way, if you don't if you want to block them off, we'll hold them in with bolts and we'll pay somebody to put the bolts in. And it appears in some cases 
that the bolts were not tightened up. We know that for sure, that the bolts are not tightened up, and it seems in a few cases they weren't even there. And uh, there's already reports coming through that the employees of Spirit, which used to belong to um, Boeing but got sold off as a way to make more money, um, the employees told the management that there were safety problems and the management specifically instructed them to falsify their records. That appeared in the New York Times this morning. Unbelievable. What is likely to happen now? Um, With a bit of luck, Boeing will find its way. There used to be a saying in the old days, if it ain't Boeing, comma, I ain't going. And they need to get their reputation back, and it's not something you can do overnight. And people are a little bit irrational about safety when it comes to aeroplanes. They want them to be so much more safe than traveling in a motor vehicle. Uh, and in fact, the most dangerous part of any journey uh, around the world is that journey in the motor vehicle. And if you read the book Black Box Thinking, mm-hmm. it points out why aeroplanes are so safe. Each year, roughly four billion humans take a flight and the deaths are of the order of maybe tens each year or hundreds out of four billion. That is an amazing safety record. Mm. If you compare it to the health professionals, uh, the death rate is much higher. And part of the beauty of the, or the safety of the airline industry is that they have the concept of no fault reporting. So if I'm a pilot and I make a mistake, I will then report that. And then they change the system so that that mistake can't happen again. An example in the book is that a pilot was coming to land at some airport that she last landed at about three years ago in the middle of America. It was near sunset. She started to come into the landing. Suddenly, she got blinded by some lights. She did a go around and then landed second time safely, reported it. And then the next pilot reported the same thing. And so did the third pilot. And what had happened was that a billboard had been put up illegally with lights pointing in the eyes of the pilots. So by having no fault reporting, you set up a system whereby you can fix problems as quickly as possible and have the minimum number of dead people. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Let's talk about uh, the first private moon mission, uh, and uh, that's Peregrine, isn't it? Yes, the uh, Peregrine uh, didn't quite take off. So what we've got is a bunch of rockets, and that's a whole different story by itself. And the Americans have, uh, a combination of Boeing and Lockheed, have put together a rocket called the Vulcan, which is their new heavy lifter. It uh, makes obsolete the Atlas and the Delta. This was their first test flight. Um, so what happened was that they started up the engines, and it took off. The two solid boosters that gave it a bit of a kick, they flew, they fell off at two minutes, and that was expected. And then the main first stage kept burning for another three minutes, and it stopped at just under five minutes. A few seconds after five minutes, the second stage kicked into action. It burned perfectly for 10 minutes, and there they are in low Earth orbit around the Earth. They sit back, they think, they work out that everything's fine. It's been a perfect uh, launch so far. The Vulcan rocket has behaved astonishingly well uh, with absolutely no problems at all. And then, after half an hour, they then decide to fire the next rocket on the Peregrine thing uh, to start them towards the moon. So this rocket's got a lot of jobs. Firstly, it has to kick them in the direction of the moon on a rather 
looping mm. orbit that'll take them 21 days to get there. Secondly, when it gets to the moon, it's got to turn around and slow itself down. That combined with the gravity of the moon will put them in a tight orbit around the moon. Thirdly, after another couple of weeks, they then have to escape the moon's orbit and then drop down and land. Unfortunately, after they had a successful translunar injection, that's burning the rocket on the peregrine, bad things happen. By the way, the peregrine is a thing about two and a half metres across, one and a half metres high, with four legs, with rockets designed to get itself to the moon and land safely on the moon, and then unleash uh, 20 experiments, five NASA, uh, 15 private. And if you had paid money, money, you could have been a writer with your story on the moon. Anyway, uh, hmm. what happened at seven hours after firing the rocket to take them to the moon, they noticed that suddenly, on a 21-day journey, it was no longer perfectly aligned. It needed electricity for 21 days, and the only place it was going to get that was from the solar panels. The solar panels were no longer pointing in the right direction, so they had to start burning fuel, and then suddenly they realised that they had, and this is an unfortunate phrase, you never want to hear this, a critical loss of propellant. Uh, propellant is not a good thing to lose. Loss of propellant is worse. Critical is even worse. They might be able to keep it alive for another 40 hours. We're in that 40-hour window now. Sure. It almost certainly will not be able to land on the moon. Wow. Bye-bye. Wow. And that is where we leave it. That's where they left it, I'd imagine. Dr. Carl, thank you as always. Lovely to chat to you. We'll catch you next Wednesday. It is 730